Lindsay for the School to Work podcast. Today we are speaking with Megan who has a Bachelor's of Arts and a Bachelor's of Education and is currently pursuing a career as a teacher. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself in terms of your academic and work background? I graduated with a triple major in drama, studio arts, and education, uh, so secondary and elementary. I studied for five years at Bishop's University since I'm from Ontario. It was the extra year since we don't have seizure. From those entire five years, I was doing practicums and education classes, which were really helpful in preparing me for the real world as a teacher. I did over a thousand hours in the schools before graduation, and it was excellent because I had opportunities to not just help out in the classroom, but to be a part of the, to be the assistant director to two musicals that I've done during my stages. That's amazing, and I know it's a little bit different in terms of going from Ontario to university, so you don't have that stage of that two-year pre-university program. So can you tell me a little bit about your transition going from high school to university? Uh, yeah, well, it's definitely a big wake-up call. I mean, I moved away from home when I was 18 years old, and there was no stage to transition me. It was just straight from high school to university, and it was really good because it forced you to either sink or swim. You had to figure out a way to balance your social life and your personal life, which can be really difficult coming from, you know, having your parents there all the time to keep you on track and then you now have to figure it out for yourself. So it was definitely hard, but I wouldn't change it for the world. And what drew you towards this field? Why did you want to go into education? Well, I've known since I was 15 that I wanted to be a teacher. The first thing that actually made me realize that I wanted to be a teacher, particularly a drama teacher, is because I had a horrible drama teacher. And... I felt like I learned hardly anything from her. We had someone come in and replace her while she went on maternity leave, and he was absolutely incredible. I learned more with him in the first week than I had from years of drama with her. And yeah, I just wanted to be a drama teacher to show students that it is a lot of fun. There's so much to be learned there, and so that hopefully they would have a good drama teacher. And can you tell me a little bit about your experience in terms of being an education student? What was the curriculum like? I know you said you were there for five years because you had two (laughs) bachelor degrees while you were there. That's very impressive. And in terms of the coursework, I know that one of the elements that is very interesting about being a teacher is that as part of your education program, that you actually have the opportunity to do a stage or to do an internship where you get practical hands-on experience working with other teachers and with students. Can you tell me about that experience for you? Yeah, the classroom experiences were really good. Um, There was a lot that we learned. One of the best classes that we had was an individual difference class where we all became experts in little areas, um, whether it be someone who has autism, someone whose parents were divorced, someone who has dyspraxia, someone who has dyslexia, anything like that. Autism was my um, chosen topic with my partner. And yeah, it was the most generic one that a lot of people did, but I found it was the best one to do because nowadays with the integration in classes, you almost always have at least one student who has autism in your class. And being a drama teacher during my final stage, in one class I had five students alone who had autism and it was really great to understand it to be able to help them by knowing more about it and to be able to anticipate things so that way I could be proactive instead of reactive in sense of knowing when they're going to have a meltdown or what I needed it to do to ensure that you know that they weren't even going to get to that point. The stages I think were the best experience to being in there, to figuring it out for yourself and you know sometimes you make mistakes but as long as you learn from those mistakes they can be really beneficial. I'm a strong believer in failure. Um, not saying that you should fail all the time but I truly believe that failure is our best team teachers and that if we take the time to reflect on it we'll really learn and if we're afraid to fail then we're never going to take risks and we're not going to push ourselves to be the best that we can be 
and yeah, the, the staff experience was absolutely amazing. I was really lucky. Um, it seemed like every single time I liked my associate teacher and my um, supervisor more and more. So I got really lucky, especially because how Bishop's University does it is each stage becomes longer and longer as you move along. So my final stage was 13 weeks. And yeah, I'm still friends with my associate teacher. We see each other all the time in school and outside of school. Whenever I have a problem, I go straight to him and he helps me sort it out. So definitely really good learning experiences. And do you think that you're in class learning in terms of the courses you took, the assignments, prepared you for your stash, prepared you for life after graduation as a teacher? I think it definitely helped prepare me. I learned a lot of things that um, were helpful to build my lessons, my units, to learn how to navigate through the QEP, um, the progression of learning, the evaluation framework, which can be very overwhelming when you're first looking at especially the QEP. That's why it's nicknamed the BRIC. What is the QEP? The Quebec Education Plan. So it's what it's broken down into your teachables and based on those they have competencies and you need to teach those competencies and each semester you need to fill out the report and how they did for each competency. For example, for ELA, which is English Language Arts, um, the main competencies are reading, writing, and media. That's just being put simply. It's obviously worded <laughs> much more eloquently uh, in the QEP. Basis of what you're doing, so it just kind of gives teachers a guide of what they should be gearing their lessons towards. And I was really lucky that I went to such a small school. One of my classes actually was three people in it. And in that class, we were able to completely break down the um, progression of learning, which is, I find, even more overwhelming than QEP. And it's everything that you need to include. And what we had to do is create a year plan where we used every single element. So even though at the time it was very daunting and frustrating to do, it was really great to have that, to understand how to put that into use and just to be able to look at the progression of learning and know exactly what you're looking at and understanding it instead of being overwhelmed by all the symbols and words that often sound like they're the exact same. But it was really helpful. Mm -hmm. And the stage was definitely the most helpful to be in the field experiences, but the classes were definitely helpful. Exactly. So that's nice to hear that they were complimentary. So that's a huge thing that some students might do just a more general bachelor's of arts or bachelor of science where they're really just doing core classes that may be lacking that element of having that practical experience and having kind of a nice transition going from the classroom setting to the work setting. So it is nice to see that in these professional programs that you do have the option to do these stages. In a lot of the cases, they are built directly into the program. So it does allow you that kind of transitional period from one step to the next. Definitely. And in terms of other youth who may be considering a career in education or as a teacher, do you have any recommendations to them in terms of what skills or characteristics they should possess or what they should be looking to develop in terms of their competencies? Um, well, I think the biggest thing that a teacher needs is to be able to put themselves at the same level as the students and to just open up and to find ways that you can relate to them in order to build that strong rapport. Because having a strong rapport with your students is everything. Because they, they respect you so much more when you have that relationship with them. And it shows that you really care about them, to get to know them on a personal level rather than just, you know, a name and a grade. To know that there are going to be a lot of hard days. There's going to be days when you just get home and all you want to do is cry because you're so frustrated. But it's it's worth it because there's so many moments that you have as a teacher where it's so rewarding, where that, that student finally gets it, or this one student brings up this amazing idea that you didn't even think of. There's so many aha moments that happen, whether it be you or your students. And... I guess at the end of the day, that's what you really need to focus on is, is the positive and, and know that, yeah, not every day is going to be good, but 
it's definitely worth it. Have you had any expectations either prior to beginning your program or as an education student that now that you've graduated and are working that have really changed for you or have differed from what you initially expected? I don't know so much my expectations changed. I think that going into it, I had a really big understanding of what it was already like because I knew a lot of people who had just gone through the teaching program or who had been teacher for a while or things like that. I knew that it was a really difficult job market to get into, that there's no teachers retiring anymore and that there's so many teachers who are going into teaching. That's why in Ontario it now will take you six years um, to, to get, get your teaching, teaching license. Okay. Yeah. With including like your bachelors of whatever leading up to it. So in Ontario, they have consecutive and concurrent programs. A consecutive program is where you get your degree in whatever it is. So just say you get it in the humanities, really broad. And then you can take that and either apply to teacher's college and do it just straight after, or you can do the concurrent program where your very first day of university, you get courses for whatever your teachable is. So just say you're doing English language arts. You also get education classes from the very start of it to the very end, you're doing education the whole way through, which is how Quebec does it. Ontario, you have the choice depending on the school, and some schools even offer the two programs. It's just harder to get into the concurrent programs. Do you know about the difference between the system in Ontario versus the system here in Quebec? Because I know that you are originally from Ontario, but then that you have settled here. Yeah, um, it was cool. We actually did a project in my class of three people based on me being the one from Ontario, where we actually compared the Ontario curriculum to the Quebec curriculum. The Ontario curriculum is just so much more easier to navigate. It's so friendly, user-friendly. You go to the, like one spot and everything's there in one place. It's really clearly laid out. It's it's really good system. Whereas with Quebec, you have it all over the place. You have your the QEP is in one spot, the progression and learning somewhere else, the evaluation framework is somewhere else. And um, I think it was the evaluation framework where my professor even had a hard time finding it. And you know, she's a, a professor in education, so if she's having a hard time finding it, it just you goes to show how it's not the most user friendly way to do things. Um, I can't remember specifics on the curriculum, but I remember while doing it, just liking how it just felt so much more organized. It felt like it, it guided teachers without telling them exactly what to do. And yeah, I just, I personally prefer the system better, but there are no jobs in Ontario. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a lot harder market than it is here. And I know you mentioned there that obviously the job market is very competitive, both in Ontario and also here in Quebec. So can you speak to me about your transition from graduating to now working? Are you employed full-time? Are you working on a contract? Um, I'm just finishing up a one-month contract. It's been great. It's really nice to actually be in the classroom again and to be teaching the students because up until now, it's, it was just subbing. And subbing's not all it's made out to be because, yeah, there's the days where it's super easy. You go in and you're basically just there to watch them. But at the end of the day, you're not teaching, and that is hard. And to not have a chance to build a rapport with the students. So to try and enforce something with the students is really hard because you don't have any structure that's been set up with you and the students who you have. And sometimes the teachers don't have a very good structure that's been set up in their classroom. It's very clear when you go in subbing who clearly has, you know, their structures laid out. The kids know exactly what to do, when to do it, um, and what to expect. But what's hard, I think, the most about subbing is you just can't plan anything because sometimes you don't know until 5, 6 a.m. that day where you're going to be and 
in a perfect world, that's no problem because, you know, there's no traffic. You can get there, no problem. But especially in the winter, it is really difficult. And, you know, you can't always plan for everything. And sometimes before when the job comes in, before you can even think about accepting it, you need to do this whole math equation in your head to figure out how long it takes you to get there. Yeah. So it's difficult, but... It's one of those jobs where it happens to be more who you know than what you know. Okay. Because it's just about being in the right place, the right time, people liking you, and, you know, you know that a school has a, an opening and that you can apply for it. So for this position here that I'm at right now, if I hadn't have had one of my friends who teaches here as well say to me, you know, oh, you should email the principal and let her know that you want to apply for this job, I wouldn't have even thought about it. And instead of being actually teaching for this month, I would have just been studying all over. And can you speak a bit about your experience in terms of you graduated last year and now it's almost been a full year that you've been out of the schooling system and in the job market? And do you have any advice you would give to other students that are just graduating from education or maybe graduating within the next year? My advice is don't give up. It's difficult and it's frustrating. You know, you want that contract and unfortunately it's a system that works purely on seniority. is isn't necessarily a reflection of the quality of teaching. But if it's what you really want to do, it's, it's something that you need to push through and find your ways. You need to make the opportunities for yourself and not just wait for them to happen because they're not going to happen if you're just waiting, especially when it's such a tough industry where everyone's, you know, doing whatever they can to get in. Um, my suggestion, the biggest suggestion I think is make friendly with the secretaries. <laughs> they're the ones who call you. They're the ones, uh, yeah, at the last minute they need a sub. Um, it goes a long way and I mean, they're there at the end of the day to help you. So you can only help yourself by, you know, being super nice and courteous to them, talking to them. And it doesn't hurt when you bring in cupcakes. You know, they like that. <laughs> and I know you mentioned making friends with different teachers, with the secretaries, I'm sure with the principals as well. So I guess it's one of the nice things to have those dashes or those internships built into the program. Absolutely. That it's probably a good opportunity to start networking. And as I mentioned before, that it kind of works in terms of being a substitute teacher that you're on a call list. So they, yeah. they post positions. And if you're on someone's party, this you may get a call earlier. But I guess it's but making those connections and trying to build uh, those ties as early on as possible. So and just tucking it out and trying to be persistent to make connections as much as possible. So I think that's a really great piece of advice for our viewers. Also, one thing they could do is make cards, leave cards so with your name, your contact information, your teachables. And just whenever you sub, just, you know, write the teacher a note about how their classes did and leave your card. I've gone to a couple of priority lists just by leaving a card. I've been there one day, sometimes never met the teacher. And then you're on their priority list and that just makes it easier for you because now you have an easier chance of working at least mm -hmm. a couple days. Exactly. Can you tell me what a typical work day would be for you as a teacher? Well, I personally like to get to the work at least an hour early. Okay. If not, I just, I feel too rushed and it's, it's difficult because at you can't push it off. It's not like other careers where you can, you know, start five, ten minutes late. When the bell rings, you need to be there. You need to be ready to go. So definitely get there an hour early so that way you don't do any corrections. Just get into the right mind space. And then it's nice if you're someone who works on structure, it's good because you always know what classes you're going to have. So even if they're working on a six-day schedule, it's good because you can always predict what you're going to have, when you're going to have your preps to get your mind around things, um, when you have the problem class. Um, so I always have homeroom first thing at 9, 10 in the morning. Um, they're a very energetic group of grade sevens. I actually was lucky I had the chance to be with them a lot for subbing from September because um, there's some teachers that I filled in for, for like a two-week span. And it's cool to see how much they've grown, how much they've matured, how much they've 
realize, you know, that this is an elementary school and that teachers aren't just going to be there to hold your hand. You need to figure it out for yourselves and then to learn how to take responsibility for their own actions. If they fail an assignment, chances are it's completely their fault. But yeah, the basic day is just you have your kids come in for two periods in the morning if you have those periods and you have recess, which for me, my recesses are I always have students scheduled to come in and talk. I think since I'm so young and they see me as being approachable that they look on to me as a big sister. So I have a lot of students come to me and they tell me their their troubles. Some are a lot harder than others. Some things I've, of course, had to report legally as my responsibility and because... You know, but at the end of the day, I'm not an expert. So if I have a kid telling me things, I'm not a counselor, so I need to point them in the right direction and let them know that I'm always here to listen, but they still need to get the proper help. My lunches are the same. I eat my lunch a lot with my kids just because there's always at least two kids who are coming to me who, who need to speak about something. Um, and sometimes all they need is just to feel like they have someone who's listening to them because high school is a really hard time for a lot of kids. And a lot of kids have been go- have so much things that are going on in their lives. That I think that's one of the biggest eye-openers for me to see all these students who come to school hungry, who come to school wearing the same thing that they've worn for two weeks weeks. There's a lot going on, so it was a big eye-opener to see how hard it is for some of these kids. But I think structure is definitely something that's been making it easier, because at least with those situations, you know, okay, I have a prep coming up where I can take time for myself, because it is emotionally exhausting. So know that you at least have a little bit of your own time to even just reflect on things that they've said to you, and then, okay, now I'm going to come back to you. And I didn't have something exactly planned what I was going to say to you at the time, but you know now I know what I should say to you to have that time to reflect. And that's probably something that you're made aware of as a student that you will have students that have learning disabilities and have mental health issues that may have problems at home, but I'm not sure about your experience, but do you think that you were really prepared for that as a student or was something that you have to live it and learn it to really get a good grasp of it and learn what to do in these different situations because I'm sure they're really across the board and you see students from all walks of life, all different backgrounds, all different positive and negatives that you have to deal with on a daily basis? I think that no matter how much prep you can have in the classroom and they tell you, you know, this is what you should say, this is what you shouldn't say, when it actually comes to it, a lot of it's just experience and getting used to it. I find that the first student who came in seeking my help compared to, you know, the tenth student, I felt like I was much better at dealing with it because, you know, I... I had already had some of these experiences. Some of the kids were coming in with similar problems that were already said. Um, But then you still have students come in and you don't even know what to say to some of their struggles. It's definitely a mix. I think some of it just can't be taught. Some of it's just natural. Some people have that natural ability where they, you know, are really good at giving guidance for people and to showing support and showing that compassion. Um, And I don't think compassion is something that can be taught. I think it's something that you're either born with or not. But it still doesn't hurt to, you know, to talk about it, to talk about it to people who have experience. It's a constant balancing act and, you know, trying to figure out the right things to say and and all that. It's, it's hard, but exactly. Your foremost focus is the student, but I'm sure it's really, you know, case by case and it's just a matter of going through those experiences yeah. yourself. And I always tell my students that at any point, if they 
they need to talk to a counselor or they need like they're they're not in a good state of mind that that's what needs to be dealt with first because what's most important is their mental health and their physical health and overall well-being and if they're not in a good place mentally how can I expect them to do any work here they're just going to sit there and be distracted about all the things that are going in their lives so I always tell them you know to go talk to someone to take care of themselves first and then come in mm-hmm. and I think also what you had said is that a lot of the students see you as a big sister that they can come to you. So it's obviously kind of a balancing act there as well in terms of knowing when people can see you as a person of authority and obviously as a professional, but also see you in the capacity of being a confidant or as being someone that they can look to as a mentor as well. So I think it's an important factor that comes into place. Can you speak about what you think is the most rewarding part of your job and what is the most challenging part of your job? I think the most challenging part is when you have the kids who you know are capable of so much more and they just won't apply themselves for whatever reason and it's so frustrating because you're they're handing you in this work and you know you're giving them a 60 but you know that they're capable of, of a 90 easily um to me that's the most frustrating just because to watch a kid sell themselves short you know and to set set themselves up in such going down such a negative path for the future because one of the things they don't realize is that Yes, when you apply to Seja or whatnot, your grade 7 or grade 8 marks aren't going to matter, but you're at the same time building up the path that you're going to go on, whether it be, you know, as a hardworking student or the one who always is making excuses, the one who's always handing in work that they've just thrown together. The most rewarding part is when you have that student who is struggling so much, doesn't want to do their work or just feels that they can, and then they just completely excel so one um, experience that I had with that is I had a student it was when I was doing my practicum last year and it was in drama and there was this grade 8 boy actually 7 at the time and he refused to go up I had to spend about 5 minutes talking with him talking him into doing it and that he had to do this and that it was good for him and that you know it's a safe space no one's here to judge him and he went up and it was a little wobbly, but then after that, he just kept running up and volunteering to go, and he was amazing. He became one of the strongest students in drama. And it was just such a nice moment to see, to have this kid who was ready to take a zero instead of going, and then after I forced him to do it, you know, Sean and ended up finding this love for drama, and I think to be able to teach kids to love what they're doing and to love education rather than school necessarily, then I think that's one of the biggest things because unfortunately we live in a world where school and education are always put together, but that's not always the case. Um, but when you have those kids who really find the love for learning, it's it's really rewarding. Mm-hmm. Being a teacher is one of those unique professions where every day is different and you can have good days and you can have bad days and I guess something you have to be cognizant of in advance of going into teaching because it is definitely a trying profession and you have to really have resilience in terms of dealing with difficult yeah. situations but obviously it does pay off and it is rewarding when you're able to reach out to the students and make an impact and have a positive influence on their lives and I'm sure a lot of students come back and tell you I got a thank you card yesterday oh. <laughs> for my for my life lessons <laughs> and that finally makes it all worthwhile yeah it was really nice um because it was the leadership class who took the initiative to do it, so I had a thank you card from all of them. They came and found me during one of my other classes. I was in the computer lab, and they gave it to me, and it was really nice just to feel appreciated because there are hard days, and so to have that as a reminder is really nice because teaching is one of those jobs where 
you can have one student who can completely ruin a great day, but at the same time, you can have one student who can make a horrible day amazing and just absolutely melt your heart. I had one day where it was it was just such a stressful day. It felt like it was Murphy's Law. Anything that could go wrong went wrong. And at the end of it, I had a student come up to me and said, I really like that you can take the time to, you know, get to know us. And it was just, it was one of those kids who... I was like, you know, for 13 weeks I had him for my stage and it was like pulling teeth to get any work out of this kid. You know, he was fine with not handing in his paper and all those things. And he's one of those kids who is going through a really hard time. And it is really hard, but to have that kid come up to you and to, to say such a nice thing and feel like, okay, so, you know, I, I, I did make an impact on you. you. You did care. It's rewarding that way. So you graduated last year and you've been working for just about a year. Where do you see yourself in your future in terms of your career goals? I love elementary school and I really enjoy when I get to teach it, but my heart is really at high school. I love that they, you know, I would get to teach my specialties instead of just, you know, being a generalist and doing it all. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but if, if I had it my way, I would just be teaching drama and art, maybe a couple English classes, and getting to do the musical with them. It's been my favorite experiences of my past with my stage that I've had, um, we did Sherlock Holmes the one time, and then we did um, The Adams Family, the musical, and it was an amazing experience. You build this rapport with the kids that you wouldn't be able to without having late night rehearsals, being there on weekends. And it teaches you so much to, to be working with these kids in that environment, um, and to be putting on a production because no matter what production I've been in, there's always that point where it's like a week before you put on your show and you're just like, it's awful, they're not ready, it's not it's not performance ready at all, it's going to be a flop, and then somehow every show by dress rehearsal or right after dress rehearsal, they're somehow able to pick up their socks and put on this incredible performance. It, it happened again this past, not this marriage coming up, but the one before where you know, I had these moments where we're doing the Adams Family where it's like, oh my god, they're not getting it, they're making these mistakes still and all this stuff and then when it came on to us doing the, our sort of like dress rehearsals for the elementary schools they were incredible uh, me and the director found ourselves at, at some point, you know, like our eyes getting watery because we're just so proud of these kids to see what they can do to watch that kid who was as quiet as a mouse and barely had any stage presence to come in and completely take over the entire scene and just be so powerful on stage and it's it's amazing to see what these kids are capable of and in five to ten years if I had it my way I would you know either be the director or assistant director to the musical be involved in all aspects whether it's on stage behind the stage felt that I would want to be on stage with the kids <laughs> but being involved you know with their um their blocking choreography things like that um and yeah, being involved in the school in any way I can. When I was in high school, I was involved in, in so many clubs and it's what really made my high school experience the most enjoyable. So to be able to, as a teacher, to be able to partake and even lead some of these clubs, I think, I think that would be incredibly rewarding because teaching is not a nine to five job by any means. I mean, I'm on contract and there was days where, you know, I was up by seven doing work and then up till 10, 30, 11 and it's hard, but I mean, that's why you get into teaching. You know, it's a real love and a passion for it. If you're getting into teaching to have your summers off and your weekends off, you're gonna you're gonna be in for a rude awakening. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's so much more than that. So that's all the time we have for today. Just one last question. Can you tell me what the biggest piece of career advice that you've ever received is? And do you have a piece of career advice for our viewers? I think the biggest career advice, or it's more life advice in general, is perspective is everything. It's all about how you look at the situation. So, yeah, it may be really hard, the things that you're having to do, but you have to look at it from the other side. So, you know, you're lucky. You get to have a class. You get to teach these kids. You get to have this impact on the kids because sometimes just the smallest thing will stick with the student forever. But life's hard, and you're going to be stop dealing with all these difficult things that there's nothing you could do to prepare yourself for it but as long as you have that positive perspective you'll be just fine thank you so much megan for sharing your story with us for road to employment this is Lindsay for the school to work podcast thank you for listening and we hope to have you tune in next time when we talk to more students and grads about their school to work transition